Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1053 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with a paramedic named Justin, who has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years, since he was 10 years old. Justin's very much into physical fitness, his family, and letting people know that diabetes doesn't have to limit them. Today, we're going to talk about Justin, his diabetes, growing up with it, his job, and so much more. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you'd like to save 40% at CozyEarth.com, use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. You can get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order of AG1 at drinkag1.com slash juice box. And if you're looking for glucagon, the one in fact that my daughter carries, check out gvokeglucagon.com slash juice box. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, you must check out Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group with 43,000 members. There is a conversation happening right now that you would absolutely be interested in or be able to help with. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Dexcom.com slash juicebox. Head over now. Find out more about the Dexcom G7 or the G6, and you can get started with the CGM that my daughter wears, Dexcom. The podcast is also sponsored by US Med, usmed.com slash juicebox, or call 888-721-1514. US Med is the place where Arden gets her diabetes supplies, and you can too. Better service and better care is what you'll get from US Med, usmed.com slash Juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. My name's Justin. I live in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington State. Have two young girls, Addison and Layla. Addison is five. Layla is three. Um, married. My wife's name is Lindsay. And uh, currently, we both are in healthcare. Uh, I work as a first responder in at a local file, uh, fire department. And then my wife is a physician's assistant. Um, been a type one diabetic since the age of 10 years old. So 31 years now. Wow. And, uh, that, that is why I am here chatting with you. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, wow. You've had diabetes for 31 years. Correct. Wow. Yeah. wow, wow. Okay. It happenstance completely. The person I interviewed yesterday was from the middle of Washington state. How weird is that? I, it is actually kind of strange <laughs> because yeah. first of all, not everybody says where they're from. And it, now it's two days in a row, and they're like, I'm from Washington. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, you were diagnosed a long time ago. You were diagnosed in a time of, did you make regular an MPH, or were you using cloudy or animal insulin? What were you doing? Yeah, I used um, combination. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, And I remember in the mornings taking two injections, one with the um, short-acting, one with the long-acting, long the NPH. And, um, and then everything in between when I ate and then at nighttime, again, long acting NPH and the short acting, if I got, I was the type of person who always had a glass of milk before bed. I don't know why. So I'd always take a little bit then. So I felt like I was taking like 10 or 12 injections a day <laughs> for as frequently as I was eating, but yeah. 
Was the milk limited technology? Was the milk warm, Justin? Was it to help you drift into dreamland? No, something might. My father had milk with like every meal. And I think that I just like, I thought it was the normal thing, like milk with breakfast, milk with for a snack, milk with lunch, milk with dinner. And then for some reason, I got into this like milk before bed. Milk was like water uh, in my family. (laughs) And I learned that from my dad. And I think it's just like, I thought it was cool when I was little. And then it just, but you were, were you recovering it with insulin or no? Yeah, typically I was. Um, so, it, it, and that was all dependent on what my blood sugar was, right? So, I would say nine times out of ten, unless I was going to bed, you know, mildly hypoglycemic or something, yeah, I would I would cover it with a little short acting. Okay. Yeah. So you you hit that that line. So what is this like? Nineteen ninety. Was one ninety one right? So yeah, you're just on the other, like meters were just becoming more like things people had in their homes in the late eighties, like right around there. So you had a, you had a glucose meter like that. I did. Okay. Was it accurate? Do you think there's no way to know, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have known any different. Yeah. You know, and especially at the age of nine or 10, you know, for me, I was just told here, here's what you have and here's what you have to do. And, 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 you know, I don't think that I would have known whether it was or it wasn't. And, you know, as you get older, you can tell whether something is accurate or not based off of maybe how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I've had that with the sensors now. It's like, um, especially the earlier sensors, I'm feeling a certain way and my sensor says something else. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm 40 right now or I'm 250. Yeah. Um, but, but with the blood glucose, the, I mean, that was your, that was the only thing besides a urine test script, which I did. I just didn't use that often. Mm-hmm. What was the first, did you have the G4? Did you get the very first sensor? No, I didn't. I started with the, um, Seven the Medtronics. Plus. Oh, you started with Medtronic. Okay. I did. Yeah. What are you so, using now? I, yeah. So I have, um, the T-Slim for a pump mm-hmm. and then I use the G6 and okay. G6 was the, um, the first sensor I, I really stuck with because I had, I had heartache with the early generations. I, I, I just never found them to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was kind of stubborn and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to poke my fingers 10, 15 times a day and just do it that way. My recollection, because Arden had the first Dexcom G4 and then she had seven plus, And then like, she's had them all, but mm-hmm. I remember back then, I mean, they were very new, you know, like somebody had to tell me what they were. I, I mean, somebody just told me one day, I was like, do you, do you have a Dexcom? I was like, I don't know what that is. And she told me, and I was like, well, that sounds great. Then you use it. And to your point, like, I couldn't tell, like, is this, like, should I be looking at it, the number? And what, what I, what I eventually learned was with the very first CGM, it's not this way any longer, but I learned to re- just at least the arrows the arrows mm-hmm. were, the, were meaningful, like, all right, up, down, falling, fast, slow, that kind of stuff was really helpful early on. Then obviously the, it got better as time went on. But um, in the beginning, that's, I just used them for the arrows and supplemented with finger sticks constantly. Yep. Now it's interesting. So you, if you had the Medtronic CGM, you had a Medtronic pump? Correct. I, I, I switched over to Tandem about a year and a half ago, I was with Medtronic for a very long time and I was pretty loyal to them. My endocrinologist got to the point where she felt like Medtronic was a little bit behind, especially with their sensors. And so she recommended I switch and I switched to tandem and, and, you know, um, I've been very happy, especially with the the weight and the size. Um, I, I do think that they have been, that they're a little ahead. 
Yeah, it's a good pump. Um, it, it, it is. Really, yeah. Are you using Control IQ or are you using it? Correct. You are. Okay. Yep. So. Yep. So, but you were you doing automation with the Medtronic? I I I was not because I didn't like the sensor. I didn't trust it. Mm-hmm. So I had a trust issue with Medtronic. So um, I was just running with the standard basal patterns that we had set, you know, over time. So I wasn't using, I wasn't using the, the sensor, their, their hybrid technology with tandem. I, I have been, and I've been very trusting of it. I have had some issues. It's been infrequent, but they have happened. But um, I, I like the control IQ. It's really hands off, which is super nice. Especially now that I appreciate it more now that Arden's at college. Like I appreciated it before, you know, but we were still like, I don't know, connected more frequently around things. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but now there have been opportunities where there's just nothing like I can't contact her and she's in a class and she's not going to do anything, (laughs) you you know, and and she's just living. And it's uh, it's just very comforting to see, like, I don't know, you miss on a meal or you eat something that hits harder than you expect, and there's an upward rise, and you don't do mm-hmm. anything, and it it goes it, it it stops eventually, like it's gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic, really. Um, going back to when you were first diagnosed, I find usually that people in that time frame, like pretty quickly, it, it, your parents aren't involved anymore, right? You're just doing these injections and going on your way. Um, is that what happened for you? Yeah, I do feel like that. I felt like you know, at the, at the age of nine and 10, though you're young, you you can, you're pretty quick to figure it out. But I'll, I'll say this too, back then, you know, 30 years ago, I remember them in the hospital. They just told me, you just can't have candy anymore. That was it. (laughs) And I was like, like, and I remember asking like, Oh, I can't even have a Snickers bar. Like that's pretty, pretty huge for a nine or 10 year old. Right. And I, I just was like heartbroken. But it wasn't that carbs were the the issue. It was just that the simple sugars were the candy were. So I was told to stay away from those. And I thought, well, that's it's heartbreaking, but <laughs> that's pretty easy. Yeah. And I do remember my father, because I didn't want to do the injections. He helped me with those for like the first summer I had it. Mm-hmm. But by the time, you know, I'm going into fifth grade, I think it was fifth grade, I have to do those things at school by myself. And, and you know, I... I was, as far as I know, the only one. And they made me go to the office. I had to go to the office to check my blood sugar. I had to go to the office to do an injection. And, and the nurses and everybody were hands off. They're like, I don't, I don't know what this is. And so that 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 was kind of weird for me. But I had to learn pretty quickly. Yeah. And you know, I'm not. I wasn't nearly as efficient at managing it back then as I am now. And and that's from technology and education standpoint. But I had to learn quick. I was picturing myself in fifth grade. I was like, I didn't like my teacher. I was in trouble all the time. Like, you know, I, I didn't do particularly well in my classes. And I'm like, what if you gave me diabetes on top of that? <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. You know, how did you measure outcomes? It, it, it was, it just, I, I mean, I say this a lot, but you, you weren't dizzy and you were standing good day. Yeah. Um, like outcomes as in when I, when I took insulin and which way am I trending? Yeah. Because think about, think about how you think about your day-to-day health now with all this data. Right. And think of it back then. Like what was the goal then? I remember, and even today I'm, I'm fairly highly sensitive to how I would feel. And so (laughs) it's so weird to say, but yeah, I mean, 
you really learn how to listen to your body, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, good in a way, right? You're really connected. But, But I'll say this. I started really early and I never had an issue. And I was fortunate enough to have parents who had get good insurance. So I had a lot of test strips. So I have always been until the G6, I've always been a frequent tester mm-hmm. of my glucose. So the feelings were, were huge, um, kind of understanding your body and listening to your body. But also I was a person who was testing at least 10 times a day. Yeah. So anytime you thought you noticed something, you would check. Yep. And yep. that that's just you, right? That wasn't instilled in you by anybody, I imagine. No, I, I think it's just me. Yeah. I, I think, I think it is just me because I'll say that, you know, uh, um, as far as I remember, um, they wanted you to test When I say they, my, my physicians, and they were recommending you test often, but they weren't telling you to do it 10 times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just me almost in, 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 it was probably a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, so that's in me to like, I'm feeling a little funny or I ate this food that I know will typically send me to the moon. So I'm going to check it and check it and check it and check yeah. it. That all sounds like common sense to me. I'm just fascinated that you figured it out know, when you were right? a kid, you know, like it just, I mean, we were doing that before CGMs. Like I, mm-hmm. I know the doctor looked at me sideways, but we, when we asked for test strips, I was like, I need at least like 12 or 13 of them a day. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, for what? And I was like, well, I'm testing like at, like before meals. She goes, right. And I said, and then like an hour after the meal. And she goes, why? You're going to be high then. And I was like, I think there's a way not to be high after that. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. And I need to see all this information to figure it out. So she would, she would look at Arden's logs in the beginning and say, like, I don't know how to make sense of any of this. She's like, you're testing when people don't test. And I, and I was just like, well, yeah, because I want to know what's happening. You know, like, I, yeah. I don't care if we start at 80 and end at 80. I want to know what happened mm-hmm. in between, you know. And um, well, they, couldn't, they couldn't track with that for a long time. But now they do, obviously. In reality, is there is there any such thing in my mind as too much when it comes to your data and understanding what your blood sugar is doing? Because for folks who don't have diabetes, I mean, it's all time, right? Yeah. And so with a sensor, you know, I know that the the G6 and something like the Libre, it it takes a peek at your blood sugar every, you know, if three minutes, five minutes, or or even even sooner with the Libre, I believe. But but I mean, in my mind, like they should be applauding you yeah. for wanting to know that, right? It's always backwards. No matter what you say to a doctor, they're always behind the times and you're always going like, trust me, this is a good idea. <laughs> So, oh, I mean, I, we were lucky enough to get them, the the test strips, and, you know, our insurance covered it, which was terrific. But even now, like, thinking, like, people who don't have problems regulating their blood sugars, I don't care, type 1, type 2, you know, it's never anything you're going to think about. Just, you're going to live your mm-hmm. whole life, and it's just going to, it's going to, your, your pancreas is going to work like your toe. Like, it just, like, it does I, the thing it's supposed to do. But for people where it's not, knowing sooner is just the key. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's pre-diabetes for type two, like, like you want to see it because there's something you can do. And when you're mm-hmm. type one, it's, it's every minute. Like, I don't, I don't understand the idea of like, my blood sugar is going to go up to 300. I'm just going to ignore it. I don't feel well. I won't say anything. You know what I mean? I'm just going to live through this and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting that you came to it that way. Were your parents particularly healthy people exercising? They eat well. 
Everybody who has diabetes has diabetes supplies, but not everybody gets them from U.S. Med the way we do. USmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. That's right, U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps to diabetes testing supplies, right up to your latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 2 and 3 and the Dexcom G6 and 7. They even have Omnipod Dash and Omnipod 5. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and you can reach them at 888-721-1514 or by going to my link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. When you contact them, you get your free benefits check, and then if they take your insurance, you're off and going. And U.S. Med takes over 800 private insurers and Medicare nationwide. Better service and better care is what U.S. Med wants to provide for you. usmed.com forward slash juicebox. Get your diabetes supplies the same way Arden does from U.S. Med. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to U.S. Med and all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. Now let's talk about the Dexcom G7. The Dexcom G7 is a small and wearable continuous glucose monitoring system. It sends real-time glucose readings to your Dexcom G7 app or the Dexcom receiver. Use my link, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to learn more and get started today. You will be able to effortlessly see your glucose levels and where they're headed. This way you'll be able to make better decisions about food, insulin, and activity. Once you're able to see the impact that those variables have on blood sugar, you'll begin to make more purposeful decisions and have better outcomes. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom. My daughter has been wearing a Dexcom product for so many years, I don't even remember when she started. But today she wears the Dexcom G7 and it is small and easy and oh my goodness, are you going to love it? Dexcom Dot com forward slash juice box. You can head there now and click on the button that will get you your free benefits check or just hit that other button that says get started. When you use my links, you're supporting the production of the podcast. Dexcom.com slash juice box. My mother, yes. My father, not so much. My father was a very active person with his job. He had a, a, a labor job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he ran heavy equipment and did a lot of dirt work. And so he was very active that way, but he was also a smoker. And like the only good meal he would eat would be because my mother cooked it for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my mother has always been, she, you know, my mom rides her bike every day. She goes on a walk every day. Right. She's been very attuned to her health. My father well, not, not so much. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think some of it, my mom's mom is very much, she's still doing yoga at 85 years old now. Wow. Um, she's, she's a really interesting lady. Your body style and your, is it match your mom's? Are you kind of built? Do you know what I mean by that? Actually? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
my, I think I'm more like my father. So my, my father was a six, four, I'm six, two. Uh, he was very lean. I, I'm, I'm very lean as well. My mother though, she's, I mean, I don't know. Both my parents are fairly tall. My mom's five, seven. So for, for a woman, that's, yeah. you know, that's fairly tall. Um, and she, she's muscular though. She's kind of built like her, her father. My mom's a little more, I guess, mesomorphic, you know, mm-hmm. she, she holds a lot of muscle. My dad was a little more ectomorphic, skinny. Yeah. I'm kind of like an in-between. Right. Well, it's interesting, though, because you, you have your dad's build, but your mom's mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Good, it's a good mix. Yeah. yeah. I, there have been times when I've looked at my kids and thought, wow, if this just went the wrong way, if if, if instead on this topic, if, if it wasn't this from me and that from Kelly, if it got flip-flop, it'd be a disaster. And, you know, like you just <laughs> sometimes you just get lucky, you know. Um, um, so, okay. So you go to... I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to even ask you, but I don't, I'm not imagining diabetes was much trouble for you through high school. No, you know, but I was a silly high school student, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I paid attention. I did, but I also was, um, my friends were very important. So going to red Robin and experimenting and doing those things, you know, I, I do remember, um, a time in my life where um, I had always kept track and I always paid attention, but I wasn't as strict with a, with a diet and all that as I am now. So I definitely had a time where I was very much just being, I I mean, I hate to say it as an an unhealthy teenager, but, but I was, you know, I like, I I wanted to go out and and eat with the friends and I wanted to go out and do those things. And, and, um, it wasn't extremely frequent, but it was much more loose Mm -hmm. for sure. Do you play sports in school? Yep, I did. Um, so I did, uh, I played football, I ran track and, and even those, uh, I didn't take extremely seriously, but I did participate. Yeah. (laughs) You're a little, (laughs) Hey, I I just think to ask, I'm going to guess no, because of the year, but did you pick up the smoking from your dad? Did you ever try it? No, 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 didn't. And and I'm very fortunate. My my actually my father my father seven years ago passed away from lung cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And it was something when I was younger. I stayed up late at night thinking about like, man, my dad's going to get lung cancer one day. What's going to happen? What happened? You know, it kind of I, there was a lot of fear. Like, what happens when you die? This is my father. Yeah. Um. So I think the fear of I don't know why I I I was quick to understand that, Hey, this is bad for you. This is going to be bad for him. I had no interest. Uh, and I had, I had a lot of pressure in high school from like friends, like, Hey man, just try one, right? just try one. And I remember at one time I took a little puff off of one and freaking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but never, never was I interested. Right. Um, and I have a long, long line of alcoholism in my family as well. And, um, I, I'm not going to lie. There was, there was a time in my life where I, I had fun with friends but I've I've never had any desire um, or any addiction to feel as if I need to, to keep doing that. So I'm very, very fortunate that I didn't pick up on either of those things. Yeah, you avoided a number of things. I'm pretty sure I've never had coffee because I commingle coffee and cigarettes together. Like ah, this, yeah. the smell of my father's cigarettes along with coffee, the whole thing is just ups- like it's nauseating to me. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I've literally never had a cup of coffee. I'm thinking of doing it on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, well, coffee is one thing. I didn't start drinking it until I think like mid twenties. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I started doing a little construction. I had a buddy who drank coffee. I was like, well, shoot, give me one of those. And then as I got into the fire service, it's very much a morning tailboard um, social thing. Right. And so now I only drink a, a cup, maybe two a day, but now it, coffee, coffee's my thing. It's part of your thing. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'm definitely going to try it at some point. It's just, I, I don't know, think it's going to blow you away. I think I'll be like, huh? All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be less than exciting. Yeah. All right. So you get through high school. Did you go to college? Yeah. So I, I went to a local community college. Mm-hmm. I got an associate's degree from Tacoma community college. Um, Nobody in my family went to college. Nobody was steering me to college. I went to a small high school. I'd say it was more built for tradesmen. Um, so I, I, I kind of followed the path. I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do, um, but I did get an associates. And um, I ended up going down to Texas. And I went to University of Texas down there where I got my paramedic certificate. Mm-hmm. And then I came back here to Washington State and I finished my bachelor's degree through Central Washington mm-hmm. Uni- University. I can picture myself in in high school standing in the parking lot getting getting ready to get into my car after school on a friday afternoon when a friend of mine says hey i'll see you tomorrow and i thought why would i see you tomorrow and i'm like wait i'm like i go to work what are you talking about and he goes sats and i'm like i'm like what and he goes yeah sats and i and i swear to you i said what's that (laughs) that was was 1988 (laughs) and i was like i'm like i don't know what that is and He's like, it's a test you take, dude. And he explains to me, and I go, I- I'm not doing that. And and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, we're all doing it. And I was like, I'm not. And I went to a, <laughs> I went to my job at a sheet metal shop the next day and made forty dollars, yeah. you know. And um, yeah. and it's just the same thing. You said it the way you said it made me think about it. No one ever mentioned college to me when I was growing up. They never yeah. once said like, you know, after high school you can or nothing. It was stay alive. And you can get a job in your uncle's. You can get a job in your uncle's sheet metal shop when this is over. You know what I mean. And so, um, anyway, it's just the way you said it really made it ring for me. Okay. Yeah. How about when did you meet? Maybe that's the wrong question. Let me ask you a little bit about dating with diabetes. Because what if it wasn't your wife? And so, um, <laughs> is that a thing that you share with women, or is it something you kind of keep private and show them a little bit of it? How do you handle that? Yeah. So early on. I felt embarrassed. I felt it was like, I mean, there just wasn't many people that had it, especially up into high school. So I never wanted anybody to know. It's like my friends did, of course, my close friends. But when it came to dating, I kind of felt like if I told them they would view it as like, ew, or a weakness. I I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty, I was pretty quiet about it. With as time went on and as I got into, um, you know, college and it, 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 and really it was much more prevalent, like to see someone walking around with a pump or a sensor on or whatever it may be. And so then all of a sudden I felt like I could loosen up a little bit because it was much more out there. Mm-hmm. But for a very long time, I, I didn't like people to know because I didn't want to be viewed as like weak or different, um, or, or something like that, especially, especially from like a female standpoint, I didn't want them to think like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to have a long-term relationship with him and get married and have kids because he has this thing right. and I don't want that to be yeah. passed on or deal with that. So yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't it's disclose. It's in your mind though, too. Like it, it mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, it seems reasonable to me that that would be something you would consider. Um, did you run into people who were like, yeah, no, thank you. 
or no and that you know it's weird and it never really clicked but i didn't and you know i i i had a few very serious girlfriends that i dated for a long time so so i wasn't a very frequent dater to have a lot of repetitions through it to where i was ever denied because of it maybe i was denied because of it but it wasn't disclosed to me that that was why or why something didn't work out but i i never was it didn't ever seem to be an issue i think this was all just personal yeah okay no it makes sense so you're are you a paramedic now correct yeah Yeah. and i've been through this before but emt and paramedic aren't the same thing (laughs) just give it to me briefly what the difference is it's just a different tier of training so an emt basic um, is is several months worth of basic life support emergency training, whereas is paramedicine, it's a year and a half more of schooling, and so we can administer certain. It's it's a little more invasive. You can you can do more skills and administer certain drugs based on what your protocol is. So it's it's more schooling and it's a little bit further training. Yeah. Okay. Does the diabetes get in the way of it at all? It hasn't. No, I actually think that there's been some benefit because when I, you know, all the patients we see and need to start IVs on, I was very comfortable with handling syringes and needles and drawing up medications and all of those things. So there was a benefit there where it was a downside was getting into the fire service. Um, I had one fire job that I had applied for in particular, and I had made it through to the interview stage and was actually denied because of the diabetes. They were, they were concerned that I wouldn't be able to handle the workload or hours of the fire service. And so when I first got this job that I currently have, I've been at for about a decade, I was really, really quiet about having it. I wasn't quiet to the employer. I did have to disclose it and I did have to do some extra testing to qualify, but for, we respond to a lot of diabetics in the fire service, a lot of people with hypoglycemia or, or hyperglycemia, maybe DKA. I didn't want to be lumped into that group. So when I was first hired at the fire department, my theory was I will prove myself. And then over time we'll disclose that I'm diabetic. And I don't know if that was the right way to do it, but I just was worried that people were going to look at me as a liability mm-hmm. because we go see so many diabetics. I was like, I just don't want people to think that that's going to be me. Yeah. And so I didn't disclose it. And I did find that that was a weakness because I was, I was hiding it. So I found myself in my room, you know, messing with my pump or trying to be secretive about that. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was, yes. I see both sides of it though, because your concern mimics what happens when people go to the doctor and, mm-hmm. or, or when, you know, you hear of a person, you know, diagnosed or kids diagnosed and they're, they're in healthcare. Everyone they picture with diabetes is in their worst moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I've made the point before that it's not unlike friends I have who are police officers who just, they come to expect bad interactions with people because their whole day at work is poor interactions 100%. with people. Right. And yeah, so it's, it's so true. Plus it worked for you in dating. So it wasn't a completely bad plan, you know. You're you're like, I'll get in here, I'll make them like me. After they like me, I'll let them know. <laughs> and so, and, yeah, and you know, that's and I I I questioned myself a lot about whether that was the right way to go about it, you know. Especially if I did have an incident, people at work would be like, "What in the hell's going on?" Yeah, you know. But but thankfully, you know, especially at work, 
Um, I, I'm, I'm very strict on myself. Like I will definitely stay away from high carb meals and whatnot, because I, I never know when the, when the bell is going to go off and we might be gone for an hour or two hours or three hours. And, and, you know, we, I, I always carry something with me. Um, I'm smarter than that, but I just, I, I did have moments where I'd be like, I was wondering if I was making the right decision, not disclosing it. And there was a couple people who knew it wasn't completely secretive, you mm-hmm. know, but of the hundred, some people I work with, there was a fraction that didn't, there was a large fraction that didn't know. And I remember over time when I got more comfortable and I'd pull my pump out of my pocket or something, they're like, I didn't, I didn't know you were diabetic. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's been for 30 then, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's just okay. Right. Cause they know you already yeah. and it doesn't matter. Listen, I had exactly. a kid, I had a kid on here recently. He got turned down by for a job. Like, obviously because of his diabetes and the law protects him. He could have not said anything and then disclosed it Mm -hmm. afterwards after they hired him. And then they would have been more forced to pay attention to the, to the law, obviously. But but this is not just about that. It's about camaraderie you have at work and people's, you know, ability to trust you. And, and, you know, like, especially in a, in a vigorous setting and it is a vigorous Mm -hmm. setting, like what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How long are your shifts? 24 hours. You do. How many of those do you do a week? So our schedule now, you, you do uh 24 on, you get 48 off and then 24 on and 96 hours off. Hmm. It's a pretty cool schedule. We're there. I'd say an average of eight days a month or so. We have times where we work 48 hour shifts and we do trades and we pick up overtime, but you also get vacation and all that nice stuff. So it is 24 hours at a time. So it's like a second home for sure. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I know that like people I'm close with when they first got into police work, it was, um, it rotated three to 11, 11 to seven, seven to three. And then you'd have two days off and they just start over. It was like seven to three, two days off, 11 to seven, two days. And it's hard on people. Like, like, I I think people figured out that's just not a reasonable way to, to cover shifts like that. So 24 is not bad because you can sleep. If you guys aren't jumping, you can Mm -hmm. sleep, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. And I'll say that it's, you know, you never know what your day is going to be like. You never know what it's going to bring. You never know what calls you are or you aren't going to go to. And that's kind of the fun. One of the most difficult parts of the job, I would say, is is those late night hours when, you know, I've had plenty of shifts where we were able to lay down and sleep the majority of the night. And it's great. You know, you're getting paid to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's fantastic. But you're always kind of half loaded. I, 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 I told my wife, I get home and I'm like, you know, we slept for six hours last night and I feel like trash. Yeah. I think you, you just don't really get the chance to get into that deep sleep, you know, because you're always kind of, you're, you know, you're at work, you're kind of prepared to potentially get up. And most nights we do get up. Right. So listen, I only, from the time I was 16 till I was almost 20, I volunteered at a local fire department. So I, Oh, cool. Yeah. So I did that for four years and obviously you're not sleeping at the firehouse. So they had these old like God to think of how old they must look now to people, but these boxes that would just picked up radio waves and then just set off a searing yeah. alarm in your house. And <laughs> you could be dead. Like no lie. You can be dead asleep at 3 AM and at 3 10 AM standing outside of a house. that's on fire. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Like I think back now, like I woke up this morning, it took me 20 minutes to like know which way I was going, you know? And, uh, yeah. and, but there's something about that adrenaline hits you. And you're like, like, seriously, I've had moments in my life where I'm like wrapping a fire 
hydrant so that yeah. so we can pull hose. And I, I think to myself, I've only been awake for six minutes. It's just, I know. it's, it's freaking weird. <laughs> and so Isn't um, that, it's such yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I take your point. Like I, it's probably hard to get into a deep sleep because mm-hmm. odds are something's going to happen and you're going to have to roll somewhere. Right. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I think as I've gotten more, as I've gotten older and as I'm in, I've been in the job longer, it, it definitely seems to affect my sleep more, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I, I also get concerned and I, and I can tell the difference even in my blood sugar. If I have a, a rough night and I don't sleep much, I think there's enough stress hormone in my body to where that next morning and that next day, I feel pretty insulin resistant. Yeah. And so I, I've questioned the longevity of the position simply just not even just being a diabetic, but for a lot of people, you know, you, you see some unfortunate things that can stick with you. So there's a mental portion to it. And then the sleep though, is the big thing. I, I, I really think that sleep is important for us and it's one thing. And I know we're not the only job that doesn't get great sleep. There's right. plenty of them, but it is concerning me to think about doing that for 25 some years, uh, how, how I'll feel after that, that chunk of time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I was just thinking like the way you said stress hormone just now is like, well, we talk about like growth hormones. We talk about, you know, we talk about, Oh, my thyroid is out of whack. So my, those hormones yeah. are off. Nobody ever says stress like, like that. And it, uh, it's definitely worth, as a matter of fact, like you made me write a note down. <laughs> I'm going to, hey, all right. that's just very worth talking about because it's again, something no one, we talk about it more in the, you know, in the moment, like management, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, are you stressed out today? Are you blah, blah, blah. But I don't think people know when they're stressed out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. Yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah. You're not really aware of it. Your stress is different because anyway, I've seen a dead body and I know what that it's not fun. Yeah. 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 yeah there's yeah. There's a, those those questions, you know, um, how many of those slides do I want to place in the in the slideshow there? I, you know, I don't know. As And as you get older, you know, I've, I, I have little girls now at home. And, and I've, I've had some really unfortunate pediatric calls and they've stuck with me and, um, they're a little scarring. And, and, um, like I said, I, there's, you know, th- these jobs have to be done and I'm, I'm, uh, very fortunate to have the job and, and be a part of it. But there are times where I question how much of that I want to do and how much of that I want to see. And they've really affected me differently as I've gotten older and as I have children and, yeah. I don't feel old, but I do definitely, you know, when you're 20 years old, you don't die, right, you're, yeah. you're invincible, right? Well, you, you know, now I'm 41 and I'm diabetic and you hear a lot of bad things that come along with diabetes. And I start to question my mortality more. And then you see sick people at work. And like you said about the police officer, you start seeing all these sick people. Then you start feeling like, gosh, dang, is everybody sick? That could be me. Yeah. I, I have that thought sometimes making this podcast where I, um, I'm like, God, everyone doesn't have an autoimmune disease, right? <laughs> like, like that's yeah. not, not, but I start feeling that way or, but to yeah. your point of feeling indestructible, I, me right now thinks back on, I can think of, I'm picturing a fire where I'm on the roof of a three-story house with a saw in the middle of the oh, night. Boy. And, and Justin, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's insane. You know, uh, it's, yeah. it's just not a thing that, it's just not a thing that, that you do and you do wonder like how, how many times can I do this? I can picture, uh, an auto accident where, you know, we were setting up to take the door off this car and I just went to look in the car so I could understand what it was we were doing. 
And I went back to the to the lieutenant. I was like, there's no one in the car. What are we pulling the door off the car for? And he goes, she's under the dash. Oh, no. And I was like, wait, what? And it was an yeah. old, an older, frail woman that wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And the literally, she ended up under the dash in the in the passenger side. I mean, I'm never going to forget that. Yeah, I take your point. So I'm like, I, I I say I say a lot of the things that that we see, you know. And there's there's so many people in the fire service and the police service that you know that see these things, but a, a lot of it you're only supposed to see on movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and, and you get the chance to see that real life, real person and, and everybody handles it differently, you know? Um, I, I, but, but it is, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, yeah. and like you said, those are things that you will never forget. Right. And, and, and I'm sure you had the opportunity to truly help some people. Right? right. And that's rewarding. That really is. But it also comes a little heavy too. When, when you see those folks that, you know, maybe made one bad decision, um, or, or, or someone else made a bad decision that this other individual may suffer for that. that, That's, that's huge. And that weighs on you a little bit. A close friend of mine, I think I've mentioned this once on here before, but told me that the first time he had his gun out and he was, you know, he's a police officer. He's at this house where there was a person in the house that made their way into the basement. The, The homeowners, like they just ran downstairs and my friend starts to descend the steps and realizes that his legs are going to be visible in the basement long before oh. his torso and his eyes and his gun are, yeah, are, yeah. are clear. And he said, I actually consciously thought, do I really want to be a police officer? Oh gosh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and then he said, it's like, it's just the most like charged up he's ever felt in his entire life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And then you get down there and the guy went out the window and he's like, he's like, I was just like, like, like frozen for a second. Like this was just, just a crazy thing. I really respect the, the people in the police force, because I tell you what, you know, I don't know what it would be like, especially if you were initially responding alone yeah. in every, every incident they go to the individual they're responding to probably doesn't want them there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, they don't, you know, yeah. so, so it, it's kind of, I don't know if I, that would be a scary job. Yeah. I really respect that position. And I work closely with a lot of police officers because they secure a lot of scenes for us, yeah. you know, so it's a tough job. And it's also, it's not like on television, like six cars don't show up with 12 people. <laughs> it's like my buddy's in the house going, uh, okay. Like, you know, I guess this is me. If it was me, I'd have turned to the lady and said, Hey, uh, bad luck. There's, yeah. a, there's a guy in your basement. Now we ought to get the hell out of here, you know? Um, but we'll leave soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure I'll get bored. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. So your wife is a physician's assistant? Correct. You said, yeah. okay. Does she have involvement with your diabetes now as an adult? She listens to me be upset every so often when, yeah. you know, I... I eat something and I take my insulin and for some reason my blood sugar decides to to take off on me. Um, um, or the other day I was at work and um, I had the catheter on my site. It came out. So I had for dinner, I had some chicken thighs and I think I, I put on my fire gear. I don't know if it just gra- grabbed it right. I'm not really sure, but mm-hmm. I, I ate a salad and chicken, not many carbs. And my blood sugar starts taking off. And I'm taking insulin and it's still going up and I'm taking insulin and it's still going. And I'm like, all right, this is not fun. Well, I just happened to check my leg and for some reason the catheter had come out, which is really rare and weird. And so she listens to to those things, you know, but I'll say um, 
she's um, very supportive when it comes to like the diet that we eat. You know, we try to eat pretty carb moderate and we, we were very active people. She is a partner in all of that. But fortunately, you know, I don't, I don't, my management, it's so second nature to me mm-hmm. these days, you know, having it for 30 years, there's not a lot that, that, that goes, um, her way. I will say when we first met over a decade ago before, um, I got a sensor and, and we were, we were having fun, you know, like we, we would go out and eat, eat cheat meals and all that. She, she witnessed a couple fair, a couple episodes where I was extremely hypoglycemic and, and a little confused and that, that scared her a little bit. So she's had to witness those things and help me a little bit at times, Yeah, but most of my management and all that's just, it's me. Yeah. So that brings up a good point. I'm assuming yes, but do you do it with your children too? Like, do they know how to help you with glucagon? No. no. So um, it's funny because you know they're three and five, and and I think my oldest Addison, she she would understand it a little bit if I if I sat her down and and you actually bring up a great point because that's something I should probably start talking to her about as she gets older and I haven't. They understand that oh you're you're checking your blood sugar or oh your your pump they they get it which is really cool but. I, if daddy went down, I don't, I don't think they would know what to do if, if, you know, mom wasn't here and my, my, uh, my wife works 12 hour shifts. So she's gone for 14 hours. So when I'm here with the kids, it, it is just us for a very long time. And I, I'm going to take a note too, because, uh, I don't want to see anything bad happen to you, but I just had this like interesting no. image of like a three and a five year old standing over you with a spent like Jeevo Kaipo pen and you wake back up and like, we got it, dad, don't worry about it. Something, I mean, yeah. something you're going to say to them eventually, right? And it's yeah. um, oh, absolutely. It, you're making me think of this video I just saw online, where there's a fire in uh, on a, like a kitchen fire. I don't know what the, I don't know. People must have cameras all over their house at this point. I don't understand exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, something's on fire in the kitchen. The guy that put the thing on, he's gone for a little bit. This very little kid like walks in the room, like little, and just assesses yeah. the situation. And turns around and is like, woo, everybody, <laughs> the kitchen's on fire, you know? Like, really, like, like sounds the alarm for everyone. I, I mean, I'm assuming nobody ever told him to do that, and you know? That's I, funny. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get you. Three. Your three-year-old's not going to help you. Five or no. six, man. I don't know. Like, do you, She's there. Yeah. Which, yeah. which one do you have? For, for the glucagon? Yeah. Which one do you use? It's just the, the typical. Well, that would be the, the hard thing, too. You have the red box. I should open that. Yes, I have the red box. It's been discontinued. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually happened yet, but it's happening. So your options are, and full disclosure, they're they're a, uh, an advertiser. The Gvoke Hypopen, which is very, oh, that, it's super simple. I bet your kids could do that. And then there's the nasal. I was nas- going to say, I'm writing it down right now. Yeah. But, and there's a nasal spray too, but I don't know. Um, uh, Interesting. I, yeah. I'd be more, um, I'm looking around for it. I have a, uh, I don't know where it's at. It looks like an EpiPen. And you pop the cap off, press it against the skin. You get one click. The second click means it's done. That's it. I have an episode that yeah. explains how to use it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just the, it, it, isn't it funny? Like, this is your job. And yeah, I, I almost I like, know. yeah, you and I are looking at each other. I don't do every episode yeah. looking at people. But I was like, hey, how about glucagon? And I saw your eyes furl yeah. like, oh, hell. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But no, anyway. Firefighters are the worst. That we're <laughs> <laughs> I, every time, you know, a thin pretzel, like like a hard pretzel from a bag, this is mm-hmm. going to seem like a left turn. Every time I have one of those, I think about my dad. 
because they would oh, really? they would sit on the bar at the firehouse. My dad was a fireman. And oh, cool. the guys would get together, they drink beer on the weekends. There'd always be this basket of pretzels there. And like the, those oh, thin, funny. those thin sort of pretzels, like I, mm-hmm. I take a bite of one of those and I, I can see my dad like leaning on the bar and like all that stuff. It's, it's pretty interesting. I went back there recently for an event and the whole place had been completely just renovated. And I was looking around, I was like, where's, where's, where's my childhood memory at? What'd you guys do with it? And uh, they're like, oh, oh no. they're, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, that's over there now. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time. Uh, doing that also people don't realize you're in a rig and the sirens are going and you know what you're heading to does that hit your blood sugar you get adrenaline from that yeah it can and it, it kind of it, it goes to it's to that same as a rough night it's it's the stress or or um i had a i had an interview the other day for a lieutenant's position and i was so nervous mm-hmm that I think that stress hormone was present. I became a little insulin resistant and and I'm like, I, I watched my blood sugar trend up and up and up. And so calls that have been intense or made me a bit nervous, um, it has affected my blood sugar. It's fairly rare now, you know, it, it does take a lot to get me spun up or excited, but we go to, um, like a pediatric call or we, I, I was on a train derailment here. Wow. That, that one spun me up a little bit too. Um, I will post a, by a, by an hour, two hours and all that. It, it, it will start to just naturally trend up in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it most certainly does. Do you have any issues? I'm assuming your algorithm kicks in, but then when the adrenaline mm-hmm. goes away, do you need to eat ever for that afterwards? You know, you know, I haven't, I haven't had any issues. The only time I've crashed after an episode like that, a stressful incident has been because I've been overly aggressive self-bolusing mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get it down because I'm hungry or whatever it may be. And so then all of a sudden, you know, you have your algorithm that's kicked in. It's not working fast enough for you. So then you self-bolus and then all of a sudden you take off the wrong direction and you start trending down pretty rapidly. I- I've done that several yeah. times just out of frustration of like, gosh, darn it, I want to eat or whatever it is, or, or I've been high for two hours or three hours, like just come down. So your pump wants to work a little more slowly and safely than that. Me getting a little overly aggressive. Yeah. Trying to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I take your point though, about eventually it just becomes like, I can, I can put myself back in a cab of a truck and you're hearing like things coming over the radio. And when you're younger, it's like, uh, but as you do it longer, you just start prioritizing in your head. Like when we get there, I'm going to do this and then this, and then I'm going to like, it just sort of turns into, it's interesting because something that would freak most people out eventually yeah. you see is like, you know, just kind of black and white. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're 50 minutes into this and I think we're covering what you did, but I want to be sure. Like, why did you want to come on the podcast? I've wanted, so this was out of recommendation from people that I surround myself with friends. They're like, you need to start speaking about your experience with diabetes and you need to, you know, um, and not to, not to, not to sound like overly cocky or confident or toot my own horn, but I feel like for 30 years, I've been pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And, and on the other side of that, I think a lot of us now know someone who has passed away from diabetes complications. Yeah. Um, or who has had a, or who is considered a fragile diabetic or whatever else. And so I've told myself I wanted to start um, 
volunteering my time and and speaking to individuals like yourself about my experience and and what I do and and hopefully people who who want to listen um, maybe will learn something or even with kids or or people who feel like man this sucks having diabetes and like I I feel like I may be limited or I can't do these certain things. Well, I mean, I just want people to know that that is not the truth at all, especially with all the new technologies that we have. Um, so for me, I just wanted to, and you know what you taught me, uh, like, Hey, you need to teach your daughters. You need to get, you need to update your glucagon. So it's, it's kind of those things. Like I I'm hoping to catch something, but I'm also hoping to contribute. And that's my biggest thing is like, um, uh, an individual I work with, his son got diabetes at the age of seven. And he saw me at the fire service. And this was when very little people knew I had it. He came up to me, he goes, Hey, I hear you have a secret. And I'm like, well, what secret are you talking about here? And he goes, well, I, I know you're diabetic. And he said, Hey, I have a son who's diabetic. And he said, I want you to know that it's really cool to see you out here acting just as acting, participating and succeeding just like everybody else, because he's like, that's what I want for my son. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it made me feel like, okay, I've done a pretty good job. Have I, have I been perfect? Absolutely not. Am I still high sometimes? Yes. Do I still go low sometimes? Yes. Do I still eat crappy food sometimes? Yes. Mm. But I also pay attention. I'm very involved. And I, and I feel like if I can get out and share my story and talk to people like yourself and learn a little bit, I hope that people will just see that like, okay, I can do it. I can do whatever I want. I'm no different. It's just, you know, I always say that I'm driving a stick shift. Everybody else is driving an automatic. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. Well, what do you think the keys are to the the path that you're on? I think it's just, you have to be very willing to put in the time and pay attention, right? I think a lot of us want the pill, right? Yeah. Like if your blood pressure is high, just give me the pill. If your cholesterol is high, just, just give me the pill. We all, we all want to do the, the eight minute abs or the seven minute abs. Nobody really wants to do the the hour in the gym. I think where the success comes is, is you have to be willing to, to put in the time to, to pay attention, really put in the effort, um, do a little exercise, prep your meals. Don't, don't eat. Don't. And, and like I said, I mean, from, from a mental standpoint, you got to go out with your friends and you got to eat red Robin every so often or whatever. I don't know why I keep using red Robin. <laughs> every time you say it, it makes me think yum. <laughs> exactly. But I think, I think it's just, it's just be, be willing to pay attention and be willing to put in the time that it takes to manage it because it does take time. And I've had frustrations all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to, I get think back, that, you got to get back to it then. It's just, I think so exactly. for, for me, the way I've learned to talk about it is that it that you just first need to understand how insulin works, right? Like there's just nothing else is going to work if your settings are wrong and you don't understand how the insulin actually works. From there, eliminating as many of the speed bumps as possible, that's what creates free time in your mm-hmm. life and free space in your head. And you can actually go live the way you want to. When you're always afraid like, I mean, honestly, the story here is you sleeping at work versus you sleeping at home, right? At work, you're not sure what's going to come. You can never really relax. Yeah. And if you don't know what's going to come with diabetes, you can find yourself in the same situation. So, I, yeah. I, you know, I just think that step one is understanding how insulin works and then, you know, moving from there. 
I think that that's huge too, yeah. is kind of understanding the, how diabetes works. And, and I have been absolutely blown away by some of the people I've talked to for the amount of time they've had diabetes mm-hmm. and not only them, but the people that are close to them, family members have no idea. Uh, and, and like I said, I have a, just a quick little story. And this is what I see frequently. We went to a guy who was very hypoglycemic. We started an IV, we tuned him up, we got his blood sugar back. And within five minutes, he's up and he's feeling just fine, a little embarrassed, but neither he or his family knew how to treat hypoglycemia. They said, well, what do we do if that happens? Should we give him insulin? And I'm like, if Uh you want to kill him, sure. That happens a lot. That really does happen a lot. People say that a lot. Well, you know, what's interesting. This guy had had diabetes for 25 years. Hmm. And the people around him, no idea. Not a clue, not a clue. And so maybe he was, maybe he was a little more educated, but I have a feeling if the people that were around him had no idea, he's probably not far behind that. Yeah. Either, right. Right. Or far ahead of it. it. In the end, it doesn't matter anyway, because when someone gets dizzy, it's him. So yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. we don't want the dizzy guy being the only one with the yeah. information. So yeah. In, uh, well, listen, we just, it, Justin, I, I get the vibe, like you don't actually listen to the podcast, which is actually fine. I don't, I don't mind, but how did you find it? Yeah. So, um, I I did start listening to the podcast, um, but you're right before that I didn't. And, and, um, so I listened to a lot of different health related podcasts, but I have not listened to anything diabetic specific. It wasn't until, um, I first reached out to you that I started digging in to find more specific um, podcasts and, and even there's a camp local to us that I'm going to donate my time to for children that, that I started listening to podcasts like yours. And and I don't know why, um, not that I know everything about diabetes or anything. I, I, I just felt, I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't listen to it, but, but ultimately, yes, I I am new to it. And it was because I wanted to start sharing my story and and learning and, and being surrounded in, in the community of, of folks like myself, right. Yeah. To just start offering my and sharing my experiences and learning from other people and how they're doing it too. Cause I know there's people out there that are probably doing things differently than me that I can pick up some stuff from, or maybe doing it better than me too. So, um, I think it just, it makes, it makes sense. It just took me a while to get there. Yeah. No, I mean, I understand. I mean, the reason I make the show the way I make it is because it's my concern that people will like, if we just got on and said the stuff, People yeah. would be like, I'm not, this is boring. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I got a seven and a half A1C. My doctor seems happy. Like, why am I going to listen to this? So I've tried to yeah. mix it in more with people's stories and, you know, and then we slip the management in in places and hopefully everybody kind of comes along for the ride. Like, there's a pro tip series that helps people with management. There's a bolt beginning mm-hmm. series that helps newer people. One of them that I'm really proud of is the defining diabetes because there's, I don't know how many at this point, like dozens of terms People just don't know. And they get like, think about it. Like, how do you not know how to stop a low blood sugar if you've had diabetes for 20? But it's fairly common. And it's people yeah. who are like, the one that always sticks with me is that a lady said, until I listened to your show, I didn't know I was on MDI. I also didn't know what MDI meant. Like, imagine doing something every day you don't know the name of. And, yeah. you know, how how good can you be at it if you don't understand when someone says bolus or hypoglycemia that your mind doesn't right away know hypo means you know what i mean like exactly it's like hearing a it's like hearing a foreign language so um, you know that it's 
it, it, like my job, I've looked back at it and I've, I've, we've, I've had some very rewarding moments and for yourself, you have to feel that same way when you hear a story like that, right? Like yeah. that, 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 how cool is that, that you are, it's a very involved disease if you want to do well at it and you, and you want to pay attention, right? Um, it, it is, it's, it's not as simple as just taking a pill for the most part, especially with type type one. Sure. So for you to be educating and helping folks and you hear someone say something like, like that, that that's gotta be pretty rewarding for you. It is. And here's a good example. If you only know what you know, earlier, you talked about your cannula getting knocked out, but you called it a catheter because that's what you're, yeah. that's what you're surrounded with most of the time. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and not that, by the way, not that either of those is wrong, but like colloquially yeah. you'd call it a cannula and you know that for sure. Right. And, yeah. and, but you're, so if you're, if you're not surrounded by the words, when you go to do something, how do you like, and then the words are tools. So if you mm-hmm. don't have the tools, then how do you know what to do when you get into the situations? And I mean, the way the healthcare system's set up, like you're not going to, no one's going to tell you any of that. Like, so you're on your own to hopefully glean as much of it as you can. Where are you going to find that from? Especially when, as you know, you pointed out with your story and many people have before, it's not like you're running around with a million people who have diabetes and you can all kind of like right. lean on each other a little bit. You know what I really appreciate appreciate about your podcast, especially as I started listening to it, it, it and I've, I've felt this way when um, our physicians are overwhelmed, right? And whether that's a, a general practitioner or an endocrinologist or whoever it is that you see, they get about 20 minutes with you. Mm-hmm. In, in my personal opinion, it's not enough time. I can't tell you how many times I've spoke with my endocrinologist, which I, I really enjoy, but I feel like they're not going to remember the, the conversation that I just had with them 20 minutes after I'm gone. They're, they're, they're on from one person to the next and to the next and to the next. So it, it's, it's our duty as a diabetic and my duty as a diabetic to, to, to be very involved myself. No one's going to do it for me, but also to share what is and isn't working for me because I I've been frustrated with my physicians because I can just tell that they don't have the time. They can't sit down there with you and, 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 baby you through all these things. You really have to pay attention and do these things yourself. And that's why I think podcasts like yours, where you're educating people or the people who are willing to hop on and listen and do it. I mean, it's the, it's going to be the best route for you. I can't tell you how in the beginning I had a blog and it was popular and it helped people. I could tell by the feedback, but the leap from a blog to a podcast for how many people yeah. you hear back from and how uh, much more quickly they can absorb the information and mm, all mm-hmm. that, all that stuff. It's been like, it's crazy. I am honestly at the point now where if I don't hear from 20 people a day, I think the internet's broken. You, you know, I'm like, I'm like oh, is there wow, something wrong with the cool. internet? How come I'm not getting the emails and the notes today? Like, you know, I mean, I just take your point. It's, it's, it's a perfect distribution system for this sort of stuff. And yeah. um, I'm glad it exists because you meet a person who was just diagnosed and maybe I never say hi to them. Maybe I don't know them, but they know me and they know this conversation. And I just think about 20 years from now when their life's just kind of rolling along, they'll, they'll have forgotten about me by then, which is absolutely fine. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want people mired in it. I want them to like thrive, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very cool to think that you're impacting something like that, that, that had the real opportunity to go the wrong way. Um, yeah, but your yeah, point, your, your point about uh, the doctor's appointments. So my my son just got his first job and left the house, and my daughter's in college. And as soon as I I was like, all right, I'm gonna like take care of better care of myself. 
Like there are things my body doesn't do well that I'm like, I've been ignoring this my whole life. Like I'm going to figure it out. But through making the podcast, we met an integrative endocrinologist that helps my whole family with their thyroid issues. And I thought, I'm just going to go to her. Like she said, like, don't get me wrong. She's a cash doctor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, but here, here's the difference. My initial appointment was 90 minutes long. I sat in a chair. She sat next to me. We chatted. I went over my entire life health history. She took notes. She got done. She said, here are the three areas I think we need to do blood tests for. I went to, I mean, I, I can't believe I didn't run out of blood the other day when I was, uh, when, <laughs> I, when, I, when I was at the lab. And when those tests come back in a couple of days, I don't have to go back and see her again. Mm-hmm. She's going to send me an email. Your tests are back. We're going to do the things we talked about here, here, and here. Is there a place I can send a prescription to? Or blah, blah, blah. Or do this. And it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's not like I see them. The test comes back. Four months later, I have another appointment. I cancel it because my kid fell. And then it's now it's nine months later. The, and the doctor goes, oh, we have to run those labs again. They're, they're too old. Yeah. Like, it's that hell you get stuck in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what we'll figure out or what we won't figure out. But I know for certain there's an honest, focused effort going into it. Um, and I can still turn it into my insurance who will pay for most of it. So it, it's hard. To well, find that's, that, you know, it, as I say, it, it's, it's rare that you have found that. And that's why, you know, I've, I've recently just had an appointment yesterday with the doctor who specializes in functional medicine, just because I, not that I'm not completely happy with my endocrinologist, but I, at the, you know, where I'm at, I feel like most of the times my visit for them is just to update uh, a prescription. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they, they look over my trends, but I mean, when you're looking at three months worth of blood sugar data and you do it over a 15 minute period, I mean, what are they really, what are they really getting out of it? Nothing. He looks at my A1C and he's like, oh, you're at 6.1. He's like, that looks really good. He's like, oh, I see you had a 40 in there. Don't be 40 anymore. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. He's <laughs> like, was there anything else I could do for you? How are your, how are your prescriptions? Are they full? I'm like, well, I can probably use an, you know, a refill on the Novolog. He's like, okay, good. Well, Hey, we'll see you in three months. Remember to get your blood work done. Yeah. He's your drug dealer. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Really? He's your drug dealer, Justin. I, yeah. 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 hundred percent. You bump 100%. into him on the corner. He acts like he cares about you a little bit and gives you a prescription for a, a, a Jivo Kypo pen and uh, some yeah. insulin and you're on your way. And it's, yeah. again, you made it an, a more eloquently um, stated earlier. It's not their fault. Like, it's just the whole thing's like this. You know, I had a, um, yeah. I can't say with who, but I got invited to grand rounds at a pretty prestigious hospital. So, like, I'm going to give the talk at Grand Rounds, right? And uh, hopefully Very that, cool. that'll all come together. And But while we were setting it up on the phone, I said, you know, can I float an idea I've had to you that I've a lot of people have, like, heard and been like, oh, we can't do it. It's always around insurance. And, yeah. I, and I said, type ones, type twos also, but type ones very specifically, stop seeing them 15 minutes at a time. Why don't you have them all come into an auditorium and talk to them for three hours? Why not do it that way? You, you know, and then run around at the end and do the personal hand, whatever you got to do for insurance. I'm like, but they all have the same questions or they all have the same. That's a problem. great idea. You yeah. know what I mean? Like do it all at once. I say, let them sign something that waves their HIPAA rights if they want to like talk out loud yeah. or something like that. But, but that's a better way. It's really, it's a podcast in person. And that's a great idea. Yeah. And I've said it to a couple of hospitals. Some of them are like, oh, it's insurance problems. It's HIPAA issues. But the last time I said it to somebody, the person on the other end of the phone said, boy, I've thought about that too. 
And I'm like, you should do it. You should do a pilot program with 20 people, you know, and see if you can't see mm-hmm. a, a measured difference. So anyway, there's a free idea for everybody. Um, That's awesome. I kept you longer than I said I was going to. Are you okay? No, I'm absolutely fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should have? No, you know, I think for, for me, um, and, and hopefully uh, in the future, I'll, I'll jump on here with you again, you know, um, but but for me, it was just wanting the chance to get on and just chat about being a type one diabetic and, and, and you know, 30 years is or 31 years is not the, the oldest living diabetic out there and not the longest by a long shot. But but I just want people to um, for me, I want people to know that you, you can be successful. You know, there's a lot of great technology out there. Um, you can do anything you want to do. I mean, I'm a very active person. We travel a lot. We do a lot of fun things. You're not limited by anything. And so, so for me, that's, that's kind of my big thing is, is just being able to hop on with individuals like yourself, learn a few things from you, share a few things about my life. And, and hopefully like, like you, you know, educating people and people say, wow, that's great. I can't believe that I didn't know that. Now I know that. Yeah. I'm hoping, hoping people will will catch something from me. I think they will. I think this is a terrific conversation. Um, Do you have like social media where people could find you? Yeah. So um, I just have a personal Instagram account and uh, it's, it's at J Maurice. That's my middle name. It's J M A U R I C E 81. My birth year. Give it to me again. I'm going to look it up. J J Maurice 81 is J M A U R I C E 81. Were there 80 other J Maurice's on Instagram? <laughs> you wouldn't think that there would be, but it just, just J Maurice wasn't, wasn't available. Uh, and nice. most of what I post on there is, is my, my young little daughters. Cause they're, they're more fun than me. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I, I, I hope people can reach out and find you there. Uh, I really do appreciate yeah. you doing this. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, Scott. It was nice to meet you, and I and I hope, uh, like I said, one day in the future, I hope we can chat again and 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 um, stay in touch, and and maybe I can bring you some information, and I can learn from you. And like I said, I've I've uh, started listening to your podcasts, and and I've been more focused on that because for me, wanting to be more involved and deliver, hopefully, deliver education and continue to learn things, um, and especially show young children that 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 you know. Hey, I was young too when I had it and in kind of a look at me now, I, I hope to stay involved and I hope to chat with you again. All right. I'm going to just ask you one more thing before you go. I appreciate yeah, all that. Sure. How the hell did you get Maurice as a middle name? Oh yeah. Right. I know. Not very, not a very typical. And it wasn't uh, who <laughs> is, is it? A family it? name? Well, my dad's best friend's name was Maury. And so they originally wanted to name me after my dad's, not my mom, mm-hmm. but my dad and his best friend wanted to name me Maury. And my mom was like, no she's, way. She stuck up no for way. you, huh? Yeah. So somehow they came up with Maurice and it landed as my, uh, my middle. I do have, I have three first names. Um, my, my last name is also a, a first name. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but your episode title might be the pump. What is that line from that song? Potamus of love, Potamus of love, or however he said it. Yes. In the Joker, right? Uh, The Steely Dan song. I think it is Is Steely Dan. Is it not Steve Miller? How do you not know it? Oh, no, it's Steve. It's Steve Miller. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, am I barking up the wrong tree here? I think it's in the Joker, right? Everybody calls me. Some people call me Maurice. Some people call me Maurice. Yeah. Well, that might be your episode title.
Hey, I love it. No, no, that's really wonderful. I uh, have said it before, and I'll say it again. My middle name is terrible, and I'm never going to say it on here, maybe on the last episode. <laughs> but I'll tell you when we get off. So thank you Perfect. very much for doing this. It. I appreciate it. You got it. A huge thanks to Justin for coming on the show today and sharing his story. I also want to thank Dexcom. Dexcom.com slash juicebox. Head over now, get yourself a Dexcom G7 or maybe a G6. Of course, the podcast was also sponsored today by US Med. You can get your diabetes supplies just the same way we do at US Med. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do something with you right now. I got an email the other day that Arden's Omnipod supplies were ready for filling. I found the email. I've clicked. According to our records, your prescriptions or supplies are due for refill, blah, blah, blah. Check my address. Reorder. It's done. USmed.com slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. Hand to God, as they say, I just reordered Arden's Omnipod supplies through US Mud in the time that you heard me do that. Uh, honestly, I'd kind of forgotten about the email. It arrived the other day. I was just downstairs a half an hour ago. My wife's like, hey, um, there was a phone call from US Med about reordering supplies, which means the email came after I had it for a few days and I didn't reply. They started calling my house. My wife reminded me. I came up here, found myself making this ad completely just randomly, and you listened to me reorder the Omnipods. That's how long it took. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.